1: We are back for another segment of The Standing A-Count. Joining me today, as always, Current Body is a former HBO Boxing producer, and he's the current on-camera host of Ask the Experts podcast and current busy weekend of boxing. Last week, we had no boxing. That means this week we're going to jam in four to five shows in two days. No fight bigger than Tyson Fury and Otto Valen. It was the fight of the weekend. It was the fight that we didn't think would steal the weekend as no one gave Otto Valen a chance but you watch the fight. He opens up a cut on Tyson Fury, he goes on to land 127 punches in the fight that is the most ever on a Tyson Fury. Uh, landed on Tyson Fury. And I'll ask you, Karin, what did we learn in this fight between Tyson Fury and Otto Valen?
0: Dan, I think actually the question should be what did we learn about Otto And <laughs> And the answer to that actually is that he came to win. He has a really good chin, he knows how to make the fight dirty. And he actually went for the home run in the 12th round, which is what you want to do if you are this unknown uh, opponent. So I think Otto Ballin actually made a case for himself to be a tough out and a good opponent uh, for all the top names in the heavyweight division. I think, I don't think any uh, top heavyweight Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz is looking at Otto Valen and saying, I can't wait to get a crack at that guy because he makes it tough. He makes it dirty. Uh, sometimes he makes it a little, too dirty like when he uh rubbed the cut with his glove between rounds there on, on tyson fury he tried to open up the cut more that was that was a little bit uh um on the edge and he shouldn't have done that so to answer your question i think we learned a lot about out of and what did we learn about tyson fury well he has vulnerabilities just like everyone else in the heavyweight division and i think actually that's a good thing that makes the heavyweight division more exciting
1: right that's the thing about the heavyweight division you have four fighters at the top maybe you throw valine in there in that second tier but you know tyson fury anthony joshua deontay wilder andy ruiz all good fighters but all flawed in their in their ways but there was this this notion and this belief among all boxing fans that Tyson Fury was the best heavyweight, the most sustainable heavyweight with his skill set, not being able to get hit, uh, you know, being a six foot seven guy that moves like a welterweight, uh, the, the shoulder roll and everything. But in this fight, he showed that he can get hit. Yes, the fight changed because of that cut. I mean, if this that cut didn't happen, I think Tyson Fury, you know, probably would have got Valine out of there because Valine did seem to lose a little bit of his his steam uh, later on. In the fight, but you know, Furry got tagged a lot in this fight. I mean, it it took a lot out of him in that cut 47 stitches over his eye what is that going to mean going forward we'll touch on that in our next round but what does that mean going forward uh, for Tyson Fury we learned a lot about Tyson Fury I think one thing that we did learn ultimately and it's the whole picture of the heavyweight division is that yes there are all flaws with all these fighters even Tyson Fury the guy that we thought had the least amount of flaws but it turns out that even him you know going up and down in weight losing all that weight you know training nonstop, maybe took a little bit of a toll on him also I mean, let's be honest here. If you take a look at those the punch stats that I tweeted out uh, on uh, last night about the most punches landed on Tyson Fury. He held Vladimir Klitschko to under 60 punches. He held Deontay Wilder to about 75. So it's clear that when the talent is there, when he shares the ring with someone that he takes seriously, he takes the fight a little more seriously. So possibly, maybe uh, Tyson Fury didn't get up for Alo Valin. That you know benefits Alo Valin because, like you said, he came out looking really good on this, and I think that he'll get a lot of fights uh, moving forward. Uh, we learned a lot this weekend, but one thing we did learn is that Tyson Fury is a little flawed heading forward into this rematch with Deontay Wilder.
0: All right, round two. So we saw Tyson Fury versus Otto Valen. Now, we all know the big rematch that we want to see, Wilder versus Fury 2. So I'll ask you this now, Dan. Who has the edge going into that rematch?
1: I mean, uh, well, it's kind of incomplete because uh, Deontay Wilder hasn't fought Luis Ortiz. And uh, one thing we've seen now in boxing is when you put these, uh, you know, you you kind of delay these rematches, is that weird things happen, especially in the heavyweight division where one punch can change everything. We saw that with Tyson Fury, the one punch. It was a punch, too. It wasn't a headbutt. We'll get to more of that uh, later. It was a punch that landed on Tyson Fury. that opened up his cut. But you have to figure that Deontay Wilder is looking a little good here. He's looking better then Tyson Fury and I say that with an asterisk next to it because he still has to beat Luis Ortiz but what did this take out of Tyson Fury 47 stitches like I touched on earlier never been cut in his career the rapid weight loss and the weight gain has to take a toll on Tyson Fury but you go to to Deontay Wilder's comments and he he made a comment on, on Sunday of course he watched the fight and he said something that he said for a long time about his fights that's Guys, when I get into the ring with them, I leave them, you know, I do something to them that's never been done. You know, I leave them damaged. I leave them, you know, I may have, might have been a draw, but I left Tyson Fury damaged. And I certainly believe that. I mean, look at Dominic Brazil. He went off the face of the earth uh, for about uh, two months after he got knocked out. Guys that fight, share a ring with Deontay Wilder, end up getting hurt and uh, long-term effects as well.
0: Who has the edge going into the rematch? It's of course, Deontay Wilder. You're exactly right, though. Talk to me after you fight Luis Ortiz. Now, if the theory of Wilder hurting his opponents so badly that they're never the same is true, then Wilder really needs to uh, take out Ortiz in the first few rounds there, because that's that has to to prove his theory correct. It's also, if you have to look at how each guy is trending, so... Wilder since his first fight with Fury he erased Dominic Brazil in a one round it was it was a massive right hand and he just completely erased him. Now what happened with Tyson Fury? Fury fought Tom Schwartz, who is Tom Schwartz? I don't really know. and then he fought Otto Valle. Now Otto Valen was supposed to be another I don't know opponent. He was undefeated. he came to fight and he took Tyson Fury 12 rounds. Tyson Fury still gets a lot of credit though from fighting through that cut, right? And, and and he had the adversity there, and he fought through that, and he found a way to win. So he gets a lot of credit for that. Who has the edge going to the match? Like I said, I think it's Wilder. You know who also has the edge? People watching on the outside. One of those being Andy Ruiz, who tweeted after the fight, Fury couldn't beat me with one hand behind his back. Fury looked vulnerable here. So you got to know, like we talked about in the last topic, Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua may be looking at this and licking their lips, wanting the Wilder Fury winner.
1: Well, how about this too, as well? Forty-seven stitches—is he going to be ready? For February 22nd. And it's only a a few months away. We don't know how that cut is going to heal. I can see Tyson Fury saying, you know what? Uh, You know, I've been training crazily. He even said that himself. Maybe they delay this fight even more. Maybe it goes into the spring of 2020. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with that fight. But I kind of agree with you that Deontay Wilder is trending in the right direction as we head into this rematch that we think is scheduled for February 22nd. Moving on to round number three, a fight that we saw Friday night on the zone at MSG, the Hulu Theater. Devin Haney moves on to 20-0, a destruction of Zaror Abdullayev, broke his orbital bone in the process, but afterwards, he calls out Lomachenko. This is the second time that I saw Devin Haney in action live, and the dude is so fast, he's so powerful. I want to ask you now, Kern, who is the best young prospect in boxing? Because it's a very long list.
0: There's so many names uh, in in the mix here for best prospect. I was there in the garden, and and I know you were too, Dan, and to see Devin Haney do his thing and land that impressive shot and break his opponent's orbital bone, that is impressive. I also spoke to uh, Agus Klimas last week who said, Lomachenko's plan is most likely to fight the Richard Comey versus Teofima Lopez winner. So that means that that fight with Haney may not be next. Who knows if and when it'll happen. Um, there's so many prospects in boxing like like we talked about. Gervonta Davis, uh, Teofimo Lopez, Virgil Ortiz, David Benavides, Shakur Stevenson. These are all great prospects. And Haney's obviously in the list. But is he that once-in-a-generation prospect that we're like, this is a lights-out, can't miss? Well, he's 20 years old, so he's still developing. He's got 23 wins, but only 15 KOs. So his KO percentage at this rate in his career is a little low. Now, we obviously saw the power there in his last fight. So to answer your question, Haney is in the mix. Is he the best? I'm not so sure.
1: 15 KOs, not enough for you, Kern.
0: That's not enough for me. I want a higher (laughs) KO percentage at this point when you're fighting lower competition. No,
1: I, 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 I get where you're coming from there. Yes, I have Haney at the top right now after that. Performance that I saw on on Friday night, I have him up there, uh, you know, with the likes of David Benavidez. I have him up there, um, but I don't think he's up there just with uh, TFM I think Tufim is right below him. I think Shakur Stevenson right below him. But I have Haney, um, I have Virgil Ortiz, and I have David Benavidez as the three top. You can interchange them however you want, depending on who they fight. I, I like I like what Haney does though. I like that his catch and shoot. I think he has all the 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 necessary tools to be a successful guy. And I also think he's very marketable. But I do not think uh, that the Teofimos of the world, uh, Shakur Stevenson, and a, uh, Tank Davis, I have also at the top as well. I mean, there's so many names that you can't even comprehend all of them. But I think that, yeah, I think it's Tank Davis. I think it's um, Devin Haney. And I like David David Benavidez. And I think that Teofimo and the others are just, just below them. But it's a great time to be a boxing fan between all those fighters. They're all under the age of
0: 25. All under the age of 25, young guys. And and I think the important thing is Devin Haney uh, came up for the moment. So he knew it was Madison Square Garden. He knew he was headlining. He knew a lot of people would be watching and a lot of eyeballs would be on him. And what does he do? He finds a way to knock out his opponent in the fourth round and looks extremely impressive uh, in doing so. So I, so I think that really trends well for him, knowing that uh, he's a young guy. Um, it's easy to get distracted when you're a young guy. Some of the names on, on the list you talked about have had some personal issues. So I think Devin Haney gets a lot of credit there for staying focused and doing what he needed to do there in Madison Square Garden.
1: Right, and the thing with the Lomachenko is, yes, I love him calling him out, but we know, obviously, with the politics of boxing, that fight can't be made. Uh, I do like him calling him out, So you don't see Tank Davis calling out Lomachenko. He stays kind of quiet after his fights, but I have no problem with him calling out Lomachenko, and that is Devin Haney, because it shows that he is very confident, but it's a great time uh, to be a boxing fan about all these great young fighters.
0: Round four in our standing eight count, Brian Garcia and the Golden Boy Promotions drama. So let me try to set up the scene here, Dan, before I ask you the question. Ryan Garcia was set to fight Avery Sparrow. Here's the problem. Avery Sparrow got arrested on Friday before the fight. There was a warrant out for Avery's arrest, and supposedly Golden Boy Promotions knew about this on Tuesday of fight week. Then there was Anel Duno, who was also fighting on the same card, who was willing to fight Ryan Garcia. Robert Gomez of Golden Boy Promotions kind of throws Ryan Garcia under the bus and says, Enel Duno is too tough. Garcia then vents on Twitter that everyone saw and here here was the kicker. Canelo retweeted everything. So here's my question, uh Dan. How does this end for uh, Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy?
1: Uh, it ends with Ryan Garcia getting more money. I mean, it's, well, you throw money at problems. That's what you do. Uh, it happens in boxing all the time, but never have I seen this in boxing. I've seen a lot of things in, in my short time in, in the sport and being around the, the sport of boxing, but a guy getting arrested the Friday before a fight by U.S. Marshals. Apparently, he was at a target. That's Avery Sparrow. He came out of the target. He had helicopters. Uh, You know, Russell Pelt said he felt like he had just shot the president. Insane story. But we'll transition to what it means for Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy because that's what's most important here. Like I said, I think there will be more money thrown Ryan Garcia's way. They were supposed to meet on Tuesday. They're going to sit down. But Ryan Garcia went off the rails on Friday on on social media throwing, you know, Golden Boy, uh, you know, saying that it's a pattern, saying that, uh, you know, poor leadership, you name it. I'm I'm out fighting for peanuts because apparently he wanted to fight Duno and he was going to just ask for a little bit more money because it's a tougher test. That's really not that crazy of a claim for, for Ryan Garcia. That's when Eric Gomez flipped around and said that he's too tough. That's when Garcia said, I did not say that. My coach did not say that. That's when you saw the retweets from Canelo. Very messy situation for Golden Boy in what has been a year of messy situations for them. I ultimately think that Ryan Garcia will fight November 2nd against Duno on the Canelo card. Uh, I think that they'll keep him happy by throwing him a few more dollars his way. But ultimately, I don't see this lasting much longer than whatever their contracts may be.
0: So, bottom line, this is not a good look for anyone in this situation. And uh, I actually interviewed uh, a journalist, Gabe Oppenheim, uh, a few weeks back. And he said Golden Boy Promotions is actually losing money on all their fighters except for Canelo. So why is that significant here? Well, Canelo is obviously supporting Ryan Garcia, retweeting everything he's saying. It's his younger brother. He says it. It's like his, Yeah, it's like his younger brother. So he's basically saying, hey, you have a beef with Golden Boy Promotions. I also have a beef with Golden Boy Promotions. Canelo, that is. And why does Canelo have a beef? Well... He wanted this Kovalev fight. It took a little while to make. It wasn't done for Mexican Independence Day, so we all got lucky enough to see uh, Tyson Fury in uh, all-Mexican attire. I don't see how they could stay together after something like this. Like you said, maybe they'll do another fight or two. Maybe they'll run out the contract. But I see Ryan Garcia splitting up from Golden Boy Promotions. It's it's really hard to, to overcome something like this when you're airing your dirty laundry in such a public light.
1: Maybe one day we will see Canelo promotions with Ryan Garcia as his main pupil. Interesting topic, a fluid situation, and always we'll have it covered here. Round number five, and it's more Golden Boy stuff, but no drama here as we have a fight that's finally finalized between Canelo Alvarez and Sergei Kovalev, 175-pound title on the line, that is, of course, of uh, Kovalev. He'll be taking on Canelo November 2nd, live on DAZN from MGM Grand in Las Vegas. A messy negotiations. if you talk to anyone that was involved with a lot of cooks in the kitchen for this one between top rank main events and Golden Boy almost didn't happen, But it did happen, and we're going to see Canelo go for a fourth title in a fourth different weight class. Curran, my question for you, is this the right choice for Canelo? Did he bite off more than he can chew with an aging Kovalev, but still very game?
0: I actually think Canelo is definitely biting off more than he can chew. Now, okay. I'm not saying Kovalev's definitely going to win the fight, but I think it's going to be a much tougher fight than Canelo Alvarez realizes, and I'm going to tell you why. I think uh, I think we're, we're kind of um, underrating uh, Kovalev here because if you look at his losses, so the Andre Ward fights, right, those were really close fights. It could have gone either way, especially the second one. Was it a low blow? Was it not? It was probably a little bit of both. Then he goes on to fight Eladir Alvarez, who lands. It's not a lucky punch. It's so, obviously skill. Was it a
1: punch from the gods?
0: It, yeah, as Anthony Joshua would say, a punch from the heavens. Maybe no, but it, it was it was skill, obviously. But it was a big knockout punch from a guy who ne- isn't necessarily a knockout puncher. Even before the fight, Eladir Alvarez said, "I am not going to knock this guy out." then Kovalev avenges that loss. So I think Kovalev is still actually at the top of his game. And I think the other thing that is being underestimated here for Canelo is the weight difference. Canelo is moving up two weight classes from 160. He's moving to 175 pounds. Now, Canelo just needs to look at his own experience to realize what that will be like. So first, Mayweather made Canelo actually cut weight. He made him get 152 pounds for their 154-pound matchup. That didn't end up well for Canelo. Canelo has made other fighters come up in weight. Matthew had Amir Khan, right? Those guys had trouble against Canelo coming up in weight. So I think, actually, Canelo is not realizing... The beast that Kovalev still is, and I think the weight is going to be a big issue.
1: And it's funny you bring up the the, the weight, and when it comes to Canelo, just take a look at boxing in just this year guys moving up two weight classes, uh, daring to be great. Uh, And that's Mikey Garcia going up to 147 to face Errol Spence. Didn't exactly play out well for him. I don't think that's necessarily the case with, with Canelo. I do think he'll win this fight. I, I agree with you about some of your points you made about Kovalev. I don't think that he's the beast that he once was, knocking everyone out. I think he's more of a finesse fighter now, and a lot of that has to do with his uh, uh, partnership with... With Buddy McGirt, he's now more of a jab. I mean, look, he knocked out Anthony Yard with a jab, and, uh, and uh, that was a really tough fight. And it's also on on short notice, sort of say, uh, f- for Kovalev in this fight. He fought uh, just last month. He's a quick turnaround. That can be good. We saw it good with Andy Ruiz, or it could be bad for an, an aging fighter. But I do think that Canelo picks and chooses his fights uh, you know, very closely. You interviewed Eric Kelly last week. He said that his uh, Canelo's career has been very orchestrated. This is another highly orchestrated fight because there are a lot of other champions at 175 pounds that Canelo could have picked, some under the zone banner. Uh, Dimitri Bival, I mean, you can go down the list. But he chose Kovalev for a reason. He sees some holes in, in his game. He thinks he can, he can exploit them. I think it's going to be a tougher match uh, than a lot of people are, are, are expecting, but I ultimately think uh, that Canelo will come out on top, mostly uh, with body work.
0: Round six here in our standing eight-count mikey garcia is electing to sit out the rest of 2019 he's eyeing manny pacquiao he hasn't uh mikey garcia has not made a decision on his future we know that there's offers from top rank matchroom pbc everyone wants mikey garcia dan what makes the most sense for mikey garcia in his career right now
1: i like that he's sitting out all of 2019 i think he should sit out even more uh into 2020 after the beating that he took from errol spence uh, i was in attendance for that fight he took a lot of flush shots and he was the smaller man in that fight and when I saw that he was talking about coming back at the end of this year I thought that was a mistake uh, this is a guy that is a businessman first it feels like uh, more than ever today in, in the age of boxing where it seems like every fighter is a businessman first uh, then a fighter but no one fields more offers than Mikey Garcia no one ponders their career more than Mikey Garcia but listen if he is got word that Manny Pacquiao is willing to fight him And there is an audience for it. You know, both fighters have a huge fan base, especially Mikey Garcia with the Mexican fan base. If someone's willing to pay him that, a very large amount of money... Then why would he not take a fight with Manny Pacquiao, a fighter that he has been long rumored with going back to their days at, at top rank? So I think that it's smart for, for Mikey Garcia to, one, take a lot of time off. Don't rush into a fight uh, with Manny Pacquiao in, in say, January. Why m- m- push it back to the spring? You know, re- fully recover from that beating that you took from Errol Spence. But I ultimately think the most sense for both guys is a Manny Pacquiao versus uh, Mikey Garcia. Your thoughts?
0: It, like you said, Mikey Garcia just went through hell with Errol Spence. He he jumped up two weight classes, so he deserves some time off. I also think he's earned the right uh, to be selective with his opponents. You know, fighter safety has been in the news a lot recently, and I think that if a fighter wants to take time, be a little selective, I think especially when they've earned the right and, and they fought top people in the past, I think it's I'm okay with it. So to, to answer the question in terms of the offers he has on the table, so let's say he has an offer from top rank. I don't think that's a good fit because – he actually sat out two years uh, before with a contract dispute with top rank. So I doubt he's going to want to go back. Well, he there. could
1: fight Lomachenko if he, if he goes with top rank, which everyone wants to see him fight. And it's two guys at the right weights.
0: He, he could do that, but I just think in terms of the, the, the back story that they have there, the fact that he sat out two two years, I don't think that, that that'll necessarily end well. He could go to match room in the zone. There, I'm sure there's plenty of quality opponents from there, but obviously it makes most sense for him to fight, to sign with PBC. If he wants Manny Pacquiao, PBC is where he's at. Now, it is risky because who knows if Manny Pacquiao wants this fight? He probably does because he probably thinks he can have a good shot against a smaller guy like Mikey Garcia, but... Mikey, uh, Manny Pacquiao is going to be an interested observer against uh, Errol Spence uh, when Errol Spence fights um, Sean Porter on September 28th. Manny Pacquiao is going to be watching that fight and say, hey, do I want to fight one okay. of these guys? Do I want to try to get a rematch uh, with Floyd Mayweather? So Ma- M- Mikey Garcia um, should take time off, but it is risky if he's only waiting for Manny Pacquiao. Well, I, I
1: mean, Pacquiao, if you have a choice between Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia and you're going to make the same, roughly the same amount of money if you're Manny Pacquiao, you got to go with Mikey Garcia.
0: 100%. But what about
1: Sean Porter? That's, um, no one's really giving Sean Porter the uh, the chance to win. But if it, I would fight Porter too if I, I was back yet. But it's Mikey Garcia, it's Floyd Mayweather. Current, they say boxing is the theater of the unexpected. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that we'd be talking about Logan Paul versus KSI, a rematch taking place on the zone. But this is where we're at. Uh, Six million viewers on YouTube watched their press conference. That, would, If that was a pay-per-view, it would be the most watched boxing event of all time. Uh, my question for you here is they went back and forth at the press conference. We, we know that's going to be streamed on The Zone. We know there's a lot of backlash, and Eddie Hearn loves uh, the backlash. But is this good or bad for boxing? Uh, is it a money grab, or is this a legitimate
0: fight? I think it's 100% good for boxing. I think people who don't like this fight are haters, and I'll tell you why. These guys fought Logan Paul and KSI. They fought already, and it had over a million uh, pay-per-view buys. They sold out the arena that they were in. I'm I'm sure, uh, Dan, you guys can provide the punch stats at CompuBox, but it actually was a competitive fight. It ended up in a draw. I have absolutely no problem with them fighting on a big platform, and I'll tell you why they've earned the right to do that because they're bringing followers and viewers to the table right that there's work to be done as a youtuber as to put up to put up content to to market yourself to promote yourself so in 2019 if you're promoting yourself and you built your own audience why do you not have the right to uh, become a pro- professional boxer and and fight someone else I, I see nothing wrong with this and they're fighting each other they're two youtubers fighting each other they're not taking <laughs> away an opportunity from someone else they're not fighting the number one ranked uh, contestant. Tender right. and taking that opportunity from someone else. So I have absolutely no, no problem with this, and I think it's a great thing for the sport, Dan. What do you think?
1: Well, every time that we see a figure come out from this from from this fight, we know whether it was last week with Eddie Hearn saying that, you know, 5,000 tickets sold on the very first day on, on presale, 6 million viewers watched the, the press conference. He's looking smarter and smarter every time. Boxing is a business, but unfortunately there are some people, the boxing purist uh, in, in the sport, look down upon this types of things, and I, I understand where they're coming from. Yes, boxing uh, to them is is a sport with integrity, but let's be honest, boxing is losing its integrity every minute of the day. So when I see two YouTubers going at it, two guys, let's be honest, are... Taking it seriously. You talked to Logan Paul in an interview with Todd Grisham on the zone on Saturday night. And Todd Grisham, you know, he said, Listen, uh, Paul said, I'm taking this very seriously. Watch our first fight. I went back and we did the stats at CompuBox. They were actually a very close fight. You know, they landed 80 punches, 80 to 72. It was a draw. They're taking the fight very seriously. You can see that, that Paul has the right mindset. Uh, but, you know, let's be honest any promoter. Would do this. Lou DiBello would do this. Bob Aram would do this if they could. Anyone saying otherwise is simply lying, and it won't be the first time that a boxing promoter uh, would be lying to the public.
0: Eddie Hearn gets a lot of credit for, for doing this, and, and here's the bottom line for me. It's 2019, and if you're a fighter, I don't think quietly training and going about your business is enough. I think you should be putting yourself out there. I think you should be engaging with fans, connecting with fans, showing off uh, your training, marketing yourself, promoting yourself. And these guys are doing that, and I give them credit for doing yeah, so.
1: Maybe some fighters can learn something from them marketing-wise. 100%.
0: Round eight, our final round here on standing eight count. So let's have a little fun here. Dan, what is the most overused phrase in boxing? There's so many. There's exposed, ducked, uh, your side of the street, styles make fights, daring to be great. You don't know shit about boxing, right? There, there's there's so many. So what is the most overused phrase in boxing? Well you
1: don't know shit about boxing is what someone says when they don't have an argument and they run out of things to say. I see that on Twitter constantly. But the reason I wanted to talk about this topic is because there were so many people I see on Twitter after the Tyson Fury fight. I saw it also as with the Tia Fimo fight saying that this fight fighter A was exposed because they were you know, they got hit with a lot of punches or they were in a competitive fight. I think that there's so many Mismatches. There's so many one-sided beatdowns in boxing lately that when we see a competitive fight between two high-level uh, fighters, we like to say that one fighter was exposed. The guy that may, sh- you know, should have won easily, you know, maybe had a cruise to a uh, unanimous decision rather than than a knockout. I think that that ducked, this guy ducked, this guy <laughs> is the most overused phrase in boxing. But now, exposed is making a run for its money. With number three being, you don't know shit about boxing
0: yeah you know what i actually have to agree with you here i, I think they're all overused but i pr- particularly don't like exposed and you don't know shit about boxing and i'll tell you why <laughs> exposed could mean so many things and it seems like anytime a fighter goes through any adversity of any kind we're saying he's exposed like you said tyson fury had a giant gash on his face how is he exposed he won the fight right he, he, the gash he, he was
1: he exposed well. we were exposed to a lot of blood on on saturday night
0: totally and you, know, you don't know shit about boxing, and that's another one that's subjective in nature. I, I really don't like that. At least if you're saying uh, someone ducked someone else, you're saying in your opinion they're they're trying to fight uh, easier opponents. Or um, if you're saying some of these other things like side of the street, I mean, we know boxing politics exists, right? So there are sides of the street. I know I know Terence Crawford in a recent interview said he doesn't believe in sides of the street. T- wake me up when the the Errol Spence match uh, happens, and then I'll say I'll say I agree that there's no sides of the streets. Until then, I think it's true. So. Like I said, I don't like Exposed, I don't like uh, You Don't Know Shit, because they're just so subjective in nature, and and I'm a little sick of these. Now, I know that you had an honorable mention, right, Uh, which was uh, you'd like to thank Al Heyman, right?
1: Right, right, right. I think think Al Heyman happens with every PBC fighter. Usually they thank Al Heyman before they thank God and their family. I mean, rightfully so. Al Heyman is is writing some big checks, and uh, he's getting these fighters uh, big fights. That's another one. But I also have another honorable mention that I can't stand, and that's Daring to be Great. Daring to be great means I'm going to make a mistake. I'm making a poor decision with my career, and I'm going to dare to be great, aka Mikey Garcia, and go up to 147 to fight arrows. That's not daring to be great. That's me. I want to chase the money, and that's fine. But daring to be great also needs to be retired from the boxing lexicon. Please.
0: I mean, I I look at uh, our good friend Brian Campbell's uh, Twitter bio: daring to be great, right? And and I think that I think that that's awesome. (laughs) I think bottom line, I think we got to find new terminology in our sport. And, and to to close this out, Dan, I would say that, that you've been exposed here in our debate and, and you don't know shit about boxing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you have a hard time keeping up with all the boxing this weekend? I did. And I'm a hardcore boxing gen that actually works in the business. There were fights in New York, there were fights in LA, there were fights in Las Vegas, but don't worry, we have you covered here. Bringing back the fastest 60 seconds in boxing, I'll recap everything in 60 seconds or less. Start the clock. Friday afternoon, Los Angeles. Avery Sparrow is a no-show. Sparking King Ryder to grab the microphone and ask, where the hell is Sparrow? He's in jail, Ryan. He's in jail. Fluid situation. Friday evening, New York City on his own. Michael the Bounty Hunter wrangled up Sergey Kuzmin and captured his sixth straight win. The second bout of the night wasn't Serrano versus Hardy. It was Ryan Garcia versus Golden Boy as the 21-year-old took to social media to trash Oscar and company after they threw him under the bus. Canelo retweets everything. Very fluid situation. Devin Haney might well be the best prospect in the sport as he carved up abdulayev breaking his orbital bone haney wants loma friday night we think we're getting ryan garcia versus peter petrov wrong that fight is off as well king rye takes to social media yet again saturday afternoon in los angeles logan paul ksi press conference brings in six million viewers ksi insults logan paul's dead dog this really happened 11:15 on the zone oscar de La Hoya wonders about terence crawford's hall of fame credentials prompting this response from bob Arum. who the is he talking about? Finally, on ESPN Plus, Otto Wallin opens up a cut on a sombrero. Tyson Fury puts his glove in it in a bunch, but to no avail. As the Gypsy King wins a unanimous decision. Deontay Wilder, I want you next. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Dan Canobio here, Inside Boxing Live, here with the man, the myth, the legend, the president of Bella Entertainment, Lou Debella himself. That's me. That's what they call me. i friends with this guy's dad
2: for 30 years. I've known him since he was a toddler. He was wearing Pampers when I met him. I don't even know if they invented Pampers back then. Actually, I think they did. But yeah. go ahead. Back go right.
1: Way back in the 80s. But Lou, you're impeccably dressed today.
2: Hey, I got my, my, my hand-painted TV KO, became HBO, yes. right. pay-per-view, then became extinct, right. wearing a very cool hand-painted tie.
1: Obviously, the boxing world is constantly transitioning. You talk about TKO to HBO. Now everything is streaming, and that's why I want to talk to you now is Mm -hmm. the streaming world. UFC Fight Pass getting heavily involved in in the world of boxing and Broadway boxing as well, which is your your
2: thing. I I love the fact that that UFC... Is getting involved in boxing. I love the fact that Fight Pass is embracing particularly grassroots boxing shows. From myself, from Roy Jones Company, from Kenny Casey's Murphy's Boxing and 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 the Boston area, and other promoters that are doing regional uh, because small grassroots kind of shows. Because it's those shows that develop the stars. It's those shows that keep boxing healthy in cities and neighborhoods and and hometowns. And um and I think it's a great way. For UFC to get their feet wet in boxing by putting more content on UFC Fight Pass, and I'm thrilled that that Broadway Boxing has found a home on UFC Fight
1: Pass. Now, some of the big signings for for DeBell Entertainment. It's been a great couple of months for DeBell Entertainment from the top down to the bottom. Obviously, Sergey Derevchenko fighting Triple G, Tevin Farmer, right? Sergey getting a shot. Tevin Farmer will come back late fall.
2: You know, a lot of my fighters been, are getting chances and opportunities. Heather Hardy and, and Amanda Serrano um, this weekend at the Garden. A lot, a lot of stuff happening. I've also signed some additional, you know, fighters, some very high-quality fighters. Joe Ward, pro- probably the best, you know, male fighter to come out of Ireland in a generation. A
1: lot of buzz around Joe Ward. Tremendous
2: amateur, tremendous fighter looks the part, looks like a movie star, well-spoken kid, good kid, um, explosive kind of power, really, really, really high boxing intellect. I think he has all the makings of a world champion. I'm thrilled that he's going to be working with uh, DeBella Entertainment and Murphy's Boxing. Ken Casey and I will be co-promoting Joe Ward. I'm excited about that. And I think his career is going to explode. And he will be on the Triple G, um, Derevinchenko stream on zone on October
1: 5th. How about Victor Padilla? He's a fighter that I got to see firsthand back in Monroeville at uh, two shows ago on Broadway Boxing. Puerto Rican star. Okay, I, think, I think he has the, the, the capability to be the next Puerto Rican star. He's a beast.
2: Victor Padilla is a superstar in the making. He is a beast. He'll be in the main event on October 4th of Russell Peltz's 50th anniversary show. Russell loves this kid. He's identified this kid as what Russell thinks is maybe the top young prospect in all of boxing. So you're going to see Victor Padilla on the main event on that Russell Peltz show. And, um, and uh, Victor was with Top Rank. He was a real young kid. He signed as like a teenager. And then he disappeared for a couple of years. He really wasn't ready to turn pro. I think the kid has returned. He lost his deal with Top Rank. He was a free agent. Good for you. Good for me. It was great for me. The kid came back raring to go, in great shape, an adult, matured, and ready to be a full-time fighter, ready to give what it takes to be a star. I love Victor Padilla. I think Victor Padilla is one of the best prospects I've signed in the last five years.
1: Right. There's there's a big void when it comes to the Puerto Rican stars, especially in New York. We want to get back to that selling out the garden like Cotto did over all these years. And he's also uh, trained by Chino Rivas, who is a world-class trainer. trainer.
2: Chino, Chino trains Tevin Farmer. And Chino's one of the better trainers in the game.
1: And how about in the, in the female world? You're a trailblazer when it comes to giving females their chance. Obviously, we just saw this with, with uh, Serrano and Hardy. You have a big signing in, as a female as well.
2: Yeah, I signed um, Christian Do. Who's a um, a Dominican fighter of Greek origin? She's a Greek, uh, I believe. Also, she's a dual citizen and um, a terrific fighter, very aggressive. She fights. She's a 140-pound world champion right now. She can fight at 30. She could fight at 35. She could fight at 40, and for the right fight, she'd fight at 47. She's another one of these freakish athletes that can move around in weight. Um, too good to pass up. Too talented. You know, regardless of of what sex, too talent, talented a fighter not to sign.
1: So you're saying we can see some Broadway boxings to the islands of Greece. Is that what you're saying? To send us to Greece? You, we very
2: well may see Broadway boxing out of Greece.
1: How about some upcoming shows for Broadway boxing? going to finish the year strong. We still have, you know, four months left in 2019. By the way, you didn't
2: mention Regis Progray, Josh Taylor, How can I World Boxing Super Series Finals. Josh, keep talking smack because you'll be staring at the ceilings, my Scottish friend.
1: And Derek Tajora keeps talking trash as well. You
2: know, D- Derek's the gift that just keeps on giving at press conferences. He's, You know, the guy's a good self-promoter. He's funny as hell. Um... It is what it is, man. You know, like I, I at least Derek keeps a press conference interesting.
1: It's these press conferences to send the Meanwhile, drone on a little bit. It just wasn't no shrinking violet, man. He's the
2: only Regis, one who stood up for himself because he's got balls. Regis, you said on Twitter, why, why was I the only one who said anything? Because you have
1: balls. <laughs> there it is. But Before we wrap up, the next couple of months for October, for Broadway 24th, boxing,
2: Broadway boxing, St. Francis College in Brooklyn, first time they've ever done boxing. Beautiful little. Uh, you know, facility about 12, 1,300 people capacity. We're going to be it's going to be loaded with New York fighters, um, Jude Franklin, Tawidi, uh, uh Joe Williams. We're going to load that show with, and, and we're going to announce the main events next week. We're going to announce the show next week. Tickets will go on sale soon, October twenty fourth. I'm looking toward coming back November fourteenth at Foxwoods with another UFC fight past Broadway boxing, and then once again in December.
1: There it is, Lou DiBella, the head of the Bell Entertainment. A lot of- of exciting news in the world of streaming, UFC Fight Pass, Broadway Boxing coming together to bring you the biggest fights in the world of boxing.